to this week's episode of Technology Translated. I'm Sarah. And I'm Kendra. Sarah, what tool are we talking about today? Kahoot, which is a tool that a lot of people are probably already familiar with. It's been around for several years and you might already have experience with it, but we felt like we needed to dedicate an episode to Kahoot since it is such a staple in the ed tech world. So today, as usual, we're going to cover the different formats this tool comes in, what the teaching and learning research says, how we've used it, pros, cons, and tips for implementation. What format does it come in? Like most of the tools we've talked about so far, it's web-based as well as app-based. Setup is easiest on the web-based version, and that's where you're probably going to run a lot of your quizzes through if you're doing them in a classroom setting. But students can participate from their phones very easily when doing in-person quizzes. They don't even need to have the app downloaded. You just They just join the quiz with the quiz key from any browser. The pricing structure does tend to change, and there are several limitations to the free version of Kahoot. Most notably, your quizzes will be limited to 40 participants, so this version wouldn't work for a large lecture course, which is something to keep in mind. There are several plan options for higher ed faculty that are both individual or institution-based that could be worth exploring and investing in if you really want to integrate Kahoot in more complex ways, but we did want to mention that it is no longer completely free. What does the research say? To be an effective instructor, research shows that it's essential to check for student understanding of material throughout the course, not just at midterms or final exams. And Kahoot is a great tool for this kind of formative assessment, especially because it allows every student a chance to participate in what feels like a low stakes or even potentially fun activity, but can quickly give you valuable insights into the class's learning progression and allow you to make changes to your approach based on those results. Kahoot also provides some helpful resources and ideas on their website with some suggestions on how to most effectively utilize Kahoot for formative assessment, which we will be sure to link to in the show notes. Bonnie Stahoviak, which who is host of the Teaching in Higher Ed podcast, has presented on and hosted several podcast episodes on the topic of retrieval practice. She uses several different tools, including Remind, Poll Everywhere, and Slido. And with, with all of this, she emphasizes the need to over-communicate the learning that comes from failing. So explaining the process of learning from the questions that we get wrong and building a culture in the classroom where it's okay to fail in a safe way, she's found very necessary for a, a tool such as Kahoot. Kahoot is also one way to incorporate active learning, even in a large class, if you opt to level up that subscription. We know active learning has been a hot topic for several years, and study after study has shown the positive impact that it has on student learning. This comes from Cornell Center for Teaching Innovation. Active learning methods ask students to engage in their learning by thinking, discussing, investigating, and creating. In class, students practice skills, solve problems, struggle with complex questions, make decisions, propose solutions, and explain ideas in their own words through writing and discussion. 
Timely feedback from either the instructor or fellow students is critical to this learning process. Education research shows that incorporating active learning strategies into university courses significantly enhances the student learning experience. So along with active learning, Kahoot is also a fairly low lift way to introduce gamification in the classroom, which has also been shown to motivate student learning and increase student engagement with course content. Kahoot has been around since 2012, so there's been some time to conduct research on its effectiveness. Zhang and Yu found in their literature review published in 2021 that there's been several studies that were able to measure improved learning outcomes with Kahoot. This is due in part to Kahoot's ability to grab and keep a hold of learners' attention, in part to the game's ability to spark competitiveness with points, badges, and leaderboards. They state interaction in Kahoot is consistent with the factor of attention positively associated with learning outcomes. And overall, Kahoot can increase learners' interest in lessons, increase their motivation, enhance their understanding of lessons, and encourage them to achieve more learning goals. Another literature review by Wang and Tahir was similar to that of Zhang and Yu, but included the research question of how does Kahoot affect students' anxiety? This is interesting because as is stated in their review, many instructors are hesitant to use Kahoot because they're afraid that it will put too much pressure on students. The research does not support this fear, however. Students are often more likely to ask questions in classes that use Kahoot, and in one study, even self-report lower, lower levels of anxiety with Kahoot classroom activities than with Socrative methods. While there have not been a lot of studies to date to measure anxiety in Kahoot, the preliminary results are really interesting. Sarah, how have we used Kahoot? In the college classroom, I've used it for quick reviews, but have primarily used Kahoot as an interactive exit ticket or for mid-class check-ins to see where students are with the material we've covered so far. Sometimes you can feel really confident that things are going well and that mid-class check-in can potentially show you that wasn't quite true. <laughs> but it does give you a lot of information and make you realize maybe you need to try a different approach or go back and review. So it can be really helpful. It's also really easy and quick to set several of these types of check-ins up in your Kahoot library and use them as needed. I also really like how I can quickly capture data with these kinds of check-ins that can assist me not just in that moment, but for planning future lessons. Kahoot is good for reinforcing facts and pointing out what students should have memorized or be able to find the answers for relatively quickly. So I've used it for a citation review it's a good way to go over the details of something like MLA format that no one ever remembers the details of, but students still need to use and be aware of. Um, Spanish instructors that I've worked with have used Kahoot for review before a big test. One instructor that I know also offers students the opportunity to create questions and Kahoots for one another to review, which I thought was, was pretty cool. I've also created presentations in Kahoot. I used one of the pl paid plans that let me combine slides and question types for a student conference presentation. It was nice in that I had a few informative slides, but most of the pieces of that presentation were questions that students responded to, and I presented based on the real-time information that I was receiving. 
at the moment. It did make the presentation more participatory and kept students more engaged than I think a traditional lecture would have. It was similar to a poll anywhere experience, but without the need for clickers since most students have smartphones now. One application that others have touted for using Kahoot, but I've not yet tried, is with a virtual class. Most of the online classes that I teach are asynchronous, so I don't immediately think of using something like Kahoot, but I do know that some use it in that context. There's an option to send a Kahoot to a student as an assignment, so instead of that group experience, they're interacting with themselves and the Kahoot, Kahoot interface. I don't know. Have you tried that yet, Sarah? Personally, I have not, but in doing the research for this episode, I did realize that Kahoot has added a lot of new features that I haven't experimented with yet. So I'm hoping we get the chance to look into some of those soon and maybe we can revisit them in a future episode if we find them helpful. How much time would it take to implement Kahoot? Unfortunately, you might find front-loading your content can take some time depending on how you'd like to use it. Simple surveys and polls don't take much time, but creating more extensive quizzes can be time-consuming upfront. When I use Kahoot in K-12, I found the existing bank of quizzes that you can draw from really useful since they were often aligned to the standards I was already teaching, but I haven't used a pre-made quiz since transitioning to the college level. But that's not to say they're not out there. Kahoot has been expanding their service into higher ed, so it might be worth investigating if they have already created materials that align with your subject matter. Having students create quizzes in small groups could also be an activity you could design in order to take some of that initial setup off your hands while they will have the opportunity to improve their understanding of course concepts. This would just require some pre-planning if that's a route you're considering. What are some pros, cons, or considerations you might want to keep in mind if you're thinking of using Kahoot? A great benefit of Kahoot is that most students are already familiar with it from their K-12 time. So for a quick review session, there isn't much training needed on how to access Kahoot and how to put their answers in on their phone or computer screen. A con is that students can get pretty hyped up, so having good classroom control and management is important for it to be a successful learning experience, I think. This means staying, stating ahead of time what nickname or names you will or will not accept. If you're assigning participation points, what are the expectations for receiving those points? What is your backup plan if you're using this as a graded assignment, but someone does not have a cell phone or a computer with them, or their battery goes dead? I mean, there are plenty of workarounds for these situations, but it does require some planning and thinking ahead of time. And we already mentioned that depending on how you'd like to use it, it can take some time to set up initially. If you're using this live in the classroom, you'd also need to ensure you have a stable internet connection not just to run the quiz, but for the student devices, as any lag can really affect gameplay and kind of make it a less than ideal experience when you were hoping for something amazing. Also, the features we discussed today really only work in an in-person or hybrid course, like we mentioned, but we hope to dive in and explore some of the other features Kahoot has in future episodes.
Kendra, what suggestions do you have for implementation? I would save Kahoot reviews for questions with very simple answers. Complex ideas or questions do not lend themselves well to the quick competitive nature of a quiz show game. Um, I like stopping the game and doing a quick explanation when it appears a large percentage of the class has provided a wrong answer to a question. If you don't do that, plan on some kind of follow-up activity where you can use the information that you as an instructor learn from the Kahoot time. That has been this week's episode of Technology Translated. Check out the show notes and resources on our website for more information, as well as the studies we referenced and, and resources on working with Kahoot in the classroom. If you're already using it, um, hopefully you found something new to take away. You can find our website at technologytranslatedpod.com. We're so glad you can join us and we hope that you tune in next week. Bye.